Formula One in an American accent. Thanks. Yeah. Who <laughs> said thanks? <laughs> oh my God. On my left, Parker. What's up? And on my right, Mike. Hi. And I am Max. Yeah. We are happy to be the Haas Boys and we welcome everyone to be a Haas Boy. Yeah. At girls included. Girls can also be in the Haas Boys. I have a news article that I wanted to... Oh bring on the table from formula one itself we all know the quality of journalism done by the formula one news yeah and this is right uh up to up to par okay them. i'm excited about okay. so here are the, here's the question they ask it's this is the title of the article Haas began the 2022 season with a bang as new old recruit Kevin Magnussen finished a studying fifth in Bahrain but can they keep up the pace throughout the season okay I liked it until the butt. The article doesn't answer it. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's in the article? It's about two paragraphs. It sums uh, up Miami. Okay. And that's it. So. <laughs> clickbait. So let's. Uh, I mean, I mean, Formula One, you don't need to have clickbait. You should have pretty good journalists working yeah. for you. Yeah. You would think. So let's uh, answer this question, you guys. Yeah, let's go. Can we keep up the pace throughout the season? Yes. That's yes. gonna be a big yes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course we're gonna be able to keep it up. Yeah, we've got some good consistency. It's that's a big we yes had for me. Bad luck in Miami, but I don't think that is a representation of the team's skill and no. the car's ability right not now. Not at no, all. Not at all. I, I yeah. honestly think that there is a lot in their court still, as far as what I've heard in, in upgrades. They have been holding back. No kidding. There's a little more potential in the car. I think so. With Ferrari about to release the next upgrade oh. uh, in Spain. They're calling it Big Sur Underglow Package. Yeah. yeah. The Big Sur be sick. <laughs> <laughs> Bonotto's just been like, update later, update later. <laughs> Remind me next week. <laughs> yeah, he's on OSX Lion. <laughs> what a loser. We ditched the cat a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't even have iMessage yet no. in those engines. Whack. He's really missing out on a great feature. Yeah. So right. we got some updates coming out. We yes. got some gizmos. We're going to have Underglow by Monaco? Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know. We have to see how many DVD players that we can steal to yeah. uh, afford that Underglow. It's expensive. <laughs> the next race is Spain. Yeah. Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah. I was thinking Bahrain. I was like, that's not... A Spanish name, <laughs> Barcelona, and that's not this week. No, but next week. Next week. Okay, yep. cool. So we've got a race coming in two weeks. Not this week and the week following. And Mick is out for points. Mick is out for points. We've talked about this a little. Yeah, I have big expectations. I think he's going to pull through. I do too. This is going to be a great dramatic year for that guy. And once it happens, driver of the day. Do you guys agree? Like, I think oh, yeah. all of all F1 way. fandom is rooting for him to get all his first points. Yeah, we all want that. So I really think that it's a good opportunity. Going back to Catalonia, which is the name of the track, Catalonia is a track that oh. they tested at. So mm -hmm. this is, they, they've got the most amount of data. They've got oh. the most amount of track time for the new car on mm -hmm. Bahrain. Outside of that, that would be the other track. Going back to Catalonia means that all of these teams get to test against what upgrades they have brought. Now again, like, I'm not exactly sure what Haas is running right now and whether or not there is any upgrades. Mm -hmm. But a major talking point there is that if they have added anything to the car, this is going to be their big test to see, did it improve? Mm -hmm. Very cool. And also the drivers and their comfortability. And How many points does a driver get when they're voted driver of the day? None. Dang it. <laughs> when does that come into play in the points? Um, I, I, like, like I'm thinking if it, at the this end of the season, this is an American Idol. It's, at the end of the season, let's say they cross the line at the same exact time with the same amount of championship points. Do they fall on driver of the day points? Yeah, tell them, Mike. 
they both cross the line. They throw the checkered flag, yeah. and David Archuleta wins <laughs> the not. Formula One championship. Now, uh, again, like I said, not really American Idol, but if they do the dead heat where the points were completely level, it does come back down to how many wins. Ooh, then they have the same amount of wins. Then it's... Man, Max is asking the hard questions It's today. how many watches they wore at the press conference before. <laughs> I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I would assume that there's probably literally another step, which would be mm. like who has the most pole positions. That's crazy, something. yeah. It's never going to happen. That's it just keeps going down and down and down and down. Until it gets to driver of the day. Yeah. <laughs> right, Mike? It's the amount of Instagram yeah. followers you have. The crypto.com overtakes yeah. award. Ooh, and now we're talking there, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, who has the most grill the grid points? which the most recent one was actually <laughs> killed me. It was really good. It was funny. Yeah. And I, the screenshot I sent you guys, yeah. I think it plays <laughs> so much into the idea of like the mind of a winner. Because right. Lewis is throwing up the tallest guys because they, did you see it, Parker? I just saw your image. The grill the grid is order the drivers from height to tallest to smallest or whatever. Yeah. And and Lewis's clip, you have see what's really, he's like, Ocon's like up here and he's throwing it to the top. But it's like Ocon, Russell, and then Hamilton. And then like all the other drivers, I was like, Everyone's he like, thinks he's tall. <laughs> like he, not only does he think he's just the fastest, but he also thinks he's the tallest Wait, dude it, in the it was, Unironic? Well, I don't know. No, it was it was genuine. (laughs) Hey, go him. But the other thing that was so funny is you know a lot of the drivers had funny reactions, but literally everyone just threw Sonoda's name on the ground. (laughs) 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 All of them were just like, "Oh yeah, Yuki's down there somewhere. He's tiny." Charles Chucky Clerk, he could not remember how tall he was or he kept lying about it. No, he kept and being like, because he's taller than him. Yeah, but he said he was 180 and Danny Rick was like 179 or something. He's like, but he's taller than me. It's like, and are Daniel you lying Ra- about your height? Yeah, Daniel <laughs> Ricardo was like, Charles isn't taller than me. <laughs> uh, Lance Stroll also had a moment of being like, oh, he's Max says he's taller than me. <laughs> Let's finish this What's It For All, which was actually a really funny quip from him. But uh yeah, a rare, a rare sign of wit. Yeah. From Lance, <laughs> Lance Stroll. There might be some more in there, man. <laughs> Strolovich, Lance um, Strolovich. And this is something that we do need to inform our listeners. Oh yeah, we need to bre- we need to bust this open. This. We haven't crossed this bridge, but this is a bit of a a case. It's touchy. Yeah, you know, as Americans, we have our sensitivities. We do to the and Canadian proud of them. border. And those who were on the other side, but Lance, wait, what are these sensitivities? <laughs> we talked about maple last syrup. Week. Secret celebrities, yeah, they oh, come and win over our hearts. Yeah, the spy, and then they tell us they're Canadians, right? After, yeah. and we're like, like most of HGTV well, we still love you, is right. like love you. secret Canadians. It's like Michael right. Bublé. Of course, we love you. You don't yeah. need to pretend to be American. <laughs> yeah, but he did. Yeah. Him, Bubbles. okay. Bubbles is Canadian. Ryan Reynolds. There's a lot of Gosh. amazing Canadians. Ryan Reynolds yeah. is Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Um, are we boot. doing a, the Amazing Canadians episode today? Or no, is that no, no, be... no, no. But let me quickly. Okay, that's gonna Let's... be a, that's gonna be a different episode. That's gonna be a different podcast. Okay, okay. So sorry, I'm getting our <laughs> podcast mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the Stroll Boys. So, yes. so Amazing Canadians. But this is something that occurred to us recently in Wikipedia. This find out for yourself. Mm-hmm. The Stroll family name is not Stroll. Yeah. Lance Stroll's name is Lance Strolovich. Strolovich. Cool name. Lawrence Strolovich. I feel yeah. lied to. Yeah. Not only are they impeding yeah. with their accents, yeah. trying to take over. If we have if you have any stroll no. experts listening from Canada, feel free to write us. We might even have you on the podcast to defend yeah. Lance. Yeah. yeah. My understanding to this point, I haven't really known many drivers to go by a stage name. Most of the drivers besides go by their Lewis, actual names. yeah, and Lawrence is going by his stage name as well as a businessman. Besides Lewis, who? What's his name again? Lewis's. What's his rap name? XNDA. XNDA. Which yeah. I say Zinda. Who knows if that's correct? Yeah. yeah. Wu Tang roots. Speaking of celebrities, real quick before we move on to our main segment of the day, which is a deep dive, we'll get to that in just a second. We last week we talked about how we didn't have any celebrities at the paddock. Oh, yes. Uh, our awesome boss boy <laughs> follower, Nicholas. I mean, this is great. He says, the Watt brothers stopped by. That's right. Because, um, is that oh, an HGTV? He's an, 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 <laughs> <laughs> they the stopped Watt brothers. by, remodeled the paddock garage, <laughs> and they... <laughs> 
They left some really nice tiles. They pulled a bus in front and they put up some beautiful subway tile and then they left and everyone was really confused. Move that bus. (laughs) They moved the the thing and it's just a a brand new F1. Oh, the hospitality units. Yeah. Yeah. There's no more broken door. It's just great. <laughs> All they did was fix Kevin Magnuson's <laughs> smash door. Gunther's just crying. Somehow in the Haas paddock, there's a race car bed in there now, which is weird, but I think that they, was brought they, by them. They found out that Captain Kevin Magnuson was a boat lover, boat lover, and now his room is very nautical. Oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> But the Watt listener, he's a he's a quarterback. I want to say or NFL uh, player. Yeah, they're NFL yeah. players. He loves Gunter, so he's he's just like us. Watch Drive to Survive. Amazing. Freaking loves Gunter and became a big fanboy. I love that. So such they, a genuine were, thing too to seek out Gunter. Such a good celebrity. So thanks for that. Yeah, Nicholas. thanks for keep cluing us in on that. I love stuff like that. By the way, we're out to talk to Gunter, folks. So if you've got a if you got a line to Gunter, <laughs> seriously, let, bring him on. Pass that here. Him know that he's got three huge fans and millions of listeners that want to hear from him. So exactly, yeah. So shifting gears, what we want to do today, taking a deep dive into the man that probably made and saved Formula One for many in years. Most, yeah, in yeah. the recent decades leading up to what it is now. And his name is Bernie Eccleston. Stun? Stein? Stone. Why did we leave the name to me? <laughs> Bernie Eccleston. By the way, who was in line for the Williams seat? Charles Piestris. <laughs> Chucky Piestris. Chucky Leclerc. Chucky Leclerc. There you go. Whoa, that nice was close. Oh, that was just a shot in the dark. Well, you nailed it. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, yeah. Ah. Uh, so Pietro Eccleston. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, we'll move. So Bernie Eccleston. He's the subject of our entire episode today. Pretty important figure. Yeah. Because he saved Formula One pretty much. Yeah. Helped shape what it was for years. I kind of just want to turn the time over to Mike. I'll ask questions because I will have lots. But why is he important? Bernie. Yeah. This is our episode with Bernie. I'm really excited about this. So I think that the major, major thing for F1 fans to understand and know about Bernie Eccleston is that Bernie is a very large symbol of what Formula One used to be. Where we are today is such a dramatic shift from where it was. Mm. So much of the grid still exists from an era that Bernie was such a big part of the sport. So it's crazy to see that transition so quickly and to see kind of at least the fruits of what was promised should they change some of Bernie's technique. Mm. But let's start at the bottom and we're going to work our way to the top. Was Bernie ever a driver? He was. Oh. Initially. So he he did try his hand at Grand Prix driving in the 50s and 40s. He's old. And something that you should also know about Bernie Eccleston is he's 91 years old. Still alive. Still alive. Okay, crazy. Okay, fun. Why Why do we care about Bernie? So Bernie Eccleston was pretty much the sole owner, at least the main decision maker for everything Formula One from late 70s, early 80s, all the way up until 2017. Okay, crazy. I guess we should say that with a little bit of looseness there because he was also a team owner. So at one stage, Bernie, who was, again, tried his hand in racing early on. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite things that I discovered in my research of him was later in his career, he decided that he wanted to try and qualify for the Monaco Grand Prix and gave it a shot. Like how much later are we talking? So in 1958, Bernie tried to qualify for the Monaco Grand Prix, didn't make it, but um, as <laughs> self-described, was uh, not a serious attempt. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a, I wasn't really trying. <laughs> Uh, just just for the sake of uh, maybe telling you a little bit more about his personality, that's a quote that you can ingrain into your soul of what his personality is like. <laughs> so um, You kind of got to be that guy, man. Never yeah, wrong. You're never wrong and you're always the fastest person on earth. Yeah, and you're is, the tallest even though you're not. Yeah, exactly. So that's the uh, mentality of a championship driver. There's so many things that were interesting about reading a little bit more into Bernie. But one thing that's really interesting about Bernie and the growth of the sport throughout certain eras 
is that he would play such an integral part in trying to bring talent to the sport. And because he was so influential in decision-making and things like that, he would try to attract people like Jacques Villeneuve. So mm. Jacques was, a, was an IndyCar champ. Okay. And having great success in the U.S., his dad was Gilles Villeneuve, which is uh, Charles Leclerc just drove his Ferrari. Okay, I saw that. I saw him drive, and I didn't know who that was. So Gilles uh, died in a crash, and uh, in, in I believe it was either qualifying or practice. Oh, no. Well, a long make, time ago. Yeah, that car doesn't look safe at all. No, I mean, that's the era of a very, very unsafe car. But mm, Very fun to watch, though. Yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> high stakes. So Gilles passed away and Jacques was away at school. And so Jacques Villeneuve never got to really know his dad all that well, but grew up to be a race car driver and was very successful in IndyCar. And then Bernie played a very important role in introducing Jacques to Williams. And then Jacques Villeneuve came in and raced at Williams with F1 and ended up winning a championship. Did he mm. win a championship in IndyCar? Uh, he did. So he got fairly close to like, is that like a Grand Slam, Indy and Formula One? Well, it, it's, it comes down to the race tracks. Oh, God. Okay. The 24-hour Le Mans, Indy 500, and Monaco Grand okay. Prix. The, those are, that's the triple crown events. But That's the EGOT of yeah. motorsport. <laughs> Basically, though, Bernie played roles in that way. He played roles in sponsorship, and he played roles in so many things. But the crazy thing is, is how he kind of rose to power. So Bernie formed an organization with the owners. And just before that was man managed a team for a short period. Yes, which was Brabham, which was owned by a guy named Brabham. Which was kind of his first foray into motorsport. Brabham was a company that was making cars commercially and had a small team. And he basically bought the entire company and then Lawrence strolled it. And then Lawrence strolled it. Well, he dissolved the commercial car building oh. branch of it and said, this whole company is just F1 now. Wow, what a move. Yeah. Interesting. Power play. And then uh, his first, so, first driver actually wow, died interesting. shortly after he started ratcheting up in the ranks of uh, F1 administration. Yeah, and making a difference in safety and a few other things as well. Yeah. You know, the thing with Brabham as well is that Bernie made some big moves and yes like you said he purchased the company entirely when the opportunity to be a part of Brabham was a partner and then when he came on board he was like well, basically I don't want a partner here's an offer that gives me the entire company so Bernie is from again another standpoint for $120,000 by yeah, the way <laughs> £120,000 right British pounds yeah well and so he pushes that across the table and says this team's mine so once again, showing you a little bit above about the personality of Bernie Eccleston through the way that he took over a Formula One team and not for a ton of money. Wow. I mean, in the era, that definitely was a good sum of money, but mm -hmm. not what you would pay for a Formula One team in our era at all. Yeah. yeah. Then as he started to grow up the ranks of Formula One administration, this is, a, this is from what I understand, the real true story of how Bernie was able to rise to be the kingpin. What is like the state of Formula One right now in this time period where Bernie's oh. doing this? Like what's going on with Formula One? So Formula One is increasing in popularity, but doing what it's always been doing. So racing around the world, it has media coverage, but for the most part, it's like cliff notes. They're not covering races. And like era, 70s, 80s? Yeah, 70s. Okay. And he walks into a room of all of Formula One's ownership, essentially, with television rights in his hands, like the contract to... Formula One television rights. And he says, hey, I, I have right here the TV rights for Formula One. Who wants in on this? And everyone laughed. <laughs> and they said, no one will ever watch Formula One on television. <laughs> Man, he was right. Yeah, well, and, every, I, you know, essentially at that point, they were all like, no one's going to watch this. It's wow. a sport you have to view in person. Wow. The only value that it has is kind of highlight. And Bernie was like, okay, so you all agree. <laughs> <laughs> so let's be clear. You agree that nobody else wants this. No one wants this. Wow. Oh, wow. And they said, yeah, Bernie, knock yourself out. Basically is the... Wow. <laughs> it paraphrased in the least British way that I possibly could say that. And... Bernie ended up with the sole television rights of Formula One. Wow. And became basically 
such a force of nature that took Jeez. over. Jeez. Well, and, and, and that's kind of the point here. This is why we care about Bernie, and this is the story that we're telling. Right. Is how did Formula One go from a really niche motorsport in Europe in the 40s and 50s to the absolute media behemoth that it is today? And this is a really big part of that. The way that the sport progressed through the years and where those emphasis lied and how that built a culture that is a key component to Formula One. Yeah. And I think that's something that I want to make sure that, that we want to portray that. Bernie played a very important part in why F1 is what it is, but it was failing. And I'm going to get to that. <laughs> so Bernie worked his way through the 80s and 90s and was not free of controversy. <laughs> no, almost from the very beginning. From the very start. He's definitely constantly under fire from the media, making missteps and things like that that would cause people to be upset with him and then so on fans. And, and essentially created an organization to break away from the main administrative organization of the, uh, in F1. Right. And created almost a boycott at one point why don't we quickly go through a couple of Bernie's biggest missteps and what we would consider his larger misfortunes that have resulted in some of where he has had criticism. Cool. Just to even go with one a little bit more recently, in the 90s when Senna suffered his fatal crash, he was told over the radio he heard Senna's head and thought that the doctor, Sid Watkins, who was the Formula One doctor at the time, had said that Senna was dead but he was saying that it was Senna's head. He had an injury. Mm -hmm. Senna had l actually lived for a few hours following the accident until he did pass mm -hmm. away ultimately. But Bernie had relayed to Senna's family that he had died before he had actually died. Oh. And this caused a huge dispute between the Senna family, the country of Brazil, mm -hmm. and Bernie Eccleston because he basically relayed that information incorrectly. Wow. And sure. that kind of eliminated some pocket of time that could have the family could have been mm. near and 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 so on. And so there was a really deep wound there that lasted forever. Bernie was in Brazil for Senna's funeral but did not feel comfortable attending and watched it on TV. Wow. You know, after that, Bernie was very controversially involved or at least he crafted one of the biggest problems that Formula One's had since, at least since this was first drafted, which is a document called the Concord Agreement. Have either of you heard of this before? No. Mm -hmm. Parker's okay. nodding yes. So the Concord Agreement is something that was secret Ooh, until somebody secret. outed it. <laughs> the Concord Agreement basically stated the finances that was would be distributed to each team for participation and what like advertising rights and things like that, the Formula One were accumulating. Mm -hmm. And then the teams would be dispersed their slice of the pie. But the reason it was kept secret is because that was very unequal. Mm. It was extremely unequal. Ooh. And Bernie stood to make yeah, millions of dollars. Bernie was making, as Flavio Briatore will put, which Who is, is Flavio Briatore was the uh, team principal at Renault. Okay. For a very long time. Flavio said that Bernie Eccleston was taking 50%. Fetching days. And the teams were splitting the other 50. <laughs> so Holy crap. So this is sponsorships, circuit fees, all the cash in and out. Bernie is skimming off 50 and then dispersing the 50 back. Correct. <laughs> Holy cow. So, geez, that's a, a lot of money. A little overpaid. <laughs> I mean, as a cliff note, by the end of his career, he holds the record for the most revenue ever made from any sport ever. <laughs> Jeez. It's, and it's like, I think it's something like 40 Bs yeah, that he's made by the time he exited Holy in the past 10 years. Jeez. And what a, a name one other sport that could do that for a person. No, nothing. And right. that's part of what Formula One, again, like we talk about Michael Schumacher era, highest paid athlete in his day. And we know that F1 driver's salaries are outrageous, right? Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Bernie Holy was cow. making an insane amount of money. <laughs> well, we'd all do the same. If you could set your own salary <laughs> right. in a billion dollar organization. This is part of the story of what tanked a lot of American F1 teams. So this is where this plays into modern day. Okay. So we're talking our Dan Gurney run and some of those things. 
these teams were being dispersed the money again only 50% of the pot essentially yeah and then that's unequal yeah. so until liberty media took over which is the current managing body ownership of formula 1 and we're going to get there this standard basically existed and up until again 2016 2017 era basically the agreements were written in response to some of the threats. Now, Ferrari is guilty of probably the largest threat here. The threat from Ferrari is that they're going to leave Ferrari, uh, Formula One. Uh, and they've said it a million times. We're, gonna, mm. we're done with this. And the sport always has to beg them to stay mm. because they've been since the beginning. For, Ferrari's never left. Yeah, it'd be a shame. It would be a huge shame. So the sport obviously feels very largely that they do want to keep them and retain them. But Bernie's deal with Ferrari was absurd. <laughs> he was giving them hundreds of millions of dollars more Jeez. than anyone wow. else. And then as Mercedes came into the sport, they strong-armed him knowing that Ferrari had that deal mm. into getting the same. Mm. And then Red Bull strong-armed Bernie Eccleston oh, wow. into more money than anyone else. So who lost? Everyone else, <laughs> okay, including McLaren and Williams and some of these teams that had heritage in Formula One. And look at the results. Exactly. Those two teams have struggled where the three top dogs have not. That's really interesting. Wow. And that all shakes down to some secret business behind closed doors with Bernie Eccleston, which is a shame. You want to get into his secret business? Everybody wants Bernie Eccleston's secret business. <laughs> they do. And I think you want his secret bank accounts. So crazy. That financial shift essentially built the sport over the last while. Totally. And, and yeah. that would have such a huge effect. Imagine if, imagine if any of our major sporting teams in the US, like the Yankees or the Dodgers or whatever, was essentially being like, yeah, okay, but the Patriots get more money than everybody yeah, else. Yeah, like subsidize a massive, massive chunk of change more than other people. Like people already dislike the Dodgers and the Yankees for having more budget and getting more players than mm -hmm. most of the sport. But the MLB is not like contributing to that. Right. That's just ownership. Yeah. Yeah. It's good business. It's good business and it's ownership that's providing their own way. There was no policy that made that happen. Whereas with this... It was that, and it was secret. The sport was basically creating world championships for these teams, Ooh, knowing that they would have the, It does. And funny enough, again, Ferrari's... Not winning. Doesn't have a lot of championships. Jeez, they get the belts. most money. And they did for years. And they haven't produced a championship in a while. The new Concord Agreement written does not do that anymore. Oh, so it... But one of the things that was such a struggle for Haas to kind of revisit this. Ooh, I love talking about Haas. Yeah, welcome back to the podcast. So Haas, when they first entered the sport, were taking a pretty large leap of faith. Yeah. Because under the, the Concord Agreement, it, it didn't matter if you finished last in the championship, you would be given a sum of, of uh, 200 million or something as a minimum for participation in the sport mm. over the year. But teams that were new to the sport had to do two full seasons before they had access to that. Jeez. So you had to build a Formula One car, yep. have race team, have drivers, have the entire infrastructure built, yeah. survive for two years Dang it. before the sport ever paid you a dime on for your participating. On year three or on year two? On year three. So 400 million that they had to float. That they basically had to wow. pay for out of pocket with no guarantee. Until Yikes. Is that still true? It is not anymore. Okay. However, new teams that enter the sport have to pay the existing teams $200 million. That's weird. So mm. Andretti will have to fork over to Formula One $200 million to be dispersed. Just an entry the fee. The current teams. That just means Haas is really cool for having done that. They were the last one. But could you imagine, like, this This feels a bit like the... They're just the coolest. It, like, it, it kind of feels like a fraternity, you know, being like... Having to pay to get in. More like a country club. Yeah, yeah I guess that's Member true. dues. But everyone in that country club is like, that doesn't go to the country club. It goes to me, bitch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's really interesting. When did this new agreement uh, get signed? Uh, so the newest agreement took effect in 2021. Okay which was the same as the budget cap. So we're in the most civilized era of F1 by miles. And it just started. Well, 
I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too much. The only thing I know about Bernie Eccleston is what we've kind of talked about personally is his disdain for social media. Yes. And how much that like hurt the sport up until recently. That's what grabs my attention, especially because looking back at how he was so forward thinking first about media, overcoming old stereotypes of how it's not going to work, then him becoming that is so interesting. He literally was, to quote Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, we do it once an episode. Go back and yeah, find yeah, the yeah, Easter yeah. eggs. <laughs> They're all there. I, I, Bernie was quoted saying, I've become the one thing I swore to destroy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he really said that? No. Oh my gosh. And then afterwards, he's like, uh, oh, he live did... a hero or live long enough to become a monster. That's and both Christopher Nolan and George Lucas are <laughs> taking that from Bernie. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 To your point. Bernie was very anti-progression in the sense of what media was doing. Which is so bizarre coming from him. It's so backwards. You would think that that's essentially what he would be the most keen on. Mm. But he wasn't. He was the complete opposite. And this is a quote directly from Bernie. Yeah. In 2014, I don't know why people want to get the so-called young generation. (laughs) Why do they want to do that? Is it to sell them something? (laughs) Most of these kids haven't gotten any money. Oh my gosh. I'd rather get the 70-year-old guys who've got plenty of cash. (laughs) What? It's so weird. It's not over. (laughs) So there's no point trying to reach these kids because they won't buy any of the products here. And if marketers are aiming at this audience, they maybe, uh, maybe they should advertise with Disney. I'm not interested in tweeting, Facebook, and whatever this nonsense is. Whoa. I tried to find out, but in any case, I'm too old-fashioned. I couldn't see any value in it. Holy wow. cow. What, what year is that? 2014. Oh, my god! He just turned into the oldest curmudgeon. Like, he doesn't yeah. want the young people on the paddock lawn. Seriously. <laughs> no, that's exactly what I'm hearing. It's so weird. Is there anything else you could do more to kill off like a product than to be like, we're not selling to the younger people. Yeah, we're selling to the 70-year-olds that have 10 years to live. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and this is that, that's exactly it, right? It's, oh, so there's this thing exploding on the planet and it's going to be the biggest thing ever. I want nothing to do with it. Right, it's so interesting. What? So here's a very interesting part of this, okay? In 2008, 600 million people watched Formula One globally. So this is a pretty big number. Oh, wait. But in 2016, that number had dropped 40%. Wow. What? And lost over 200 million fans. Wow. In eight years. It's all the 70 year olds died. Yeah. (laughs) Real talk. (laughs) But uh, 200 million 70 year olds keeled over in eight years. And Bernie was like, I've made a huge mistake. It's, cra- it's crazy. <laughs> because I used to have a lot of friends. I mean, yeah. I got into it because of Netflix and I could watch highlights on YouTube, right? Exactly. And, and that's such a big part of big it Big entry into it. Yeah. yeah. And imagine hating on the young people thinking they don't, they don't have any interest in it, no yeah, money. That's when he was a young person interested in it and putting money into it. Right. But, so weird. Yeah, so- it's very weird. And, and to your point, Netflix has played such a big role. YouTube has played such a big role. Instagram, the teams weren't even allowed to have these. By a rule in what? Formula One, you weren't allowed, if you were a driver, you weren't allowed wow. to have social media. Wow. Why? What, like, what, do you know what that logic was? I'm sure they had some reason, let's secrecy be honest. Secrecy was essentially. Maybe some secrecy, keep them focused. Uh, wow, that's great. Intellectual man. property. I, right. Yeah, man, they were afraid that people would walk into a garage with a freaking phone or whatever and wow, give away some trade secret. Wow. Like drivers are that stupid. Mm. Obviously, we know they're not. Maybe from Bernie's era, they were. I can think of one. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, <laughs> here's where we're going to start talking about Liberty Media. Okay. So, Liberty Media saw the opportunity and they were like, they're just missing by a mile, but the sport is so interesting. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Can we get so, a little background on Liberty? Who they were? I know a lot of the guys from Liberty Media were Fox Sports executives through the most successful era of Fox Sports. Okay. So they like introduced soccer and a lot of that to the US 
when it wasn't available. So like Manchester United, Liverpool. So mm-hmm. like this like introduction of global sporting. So you have a new media company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Liberty Media, kind of a run of the mill mass media company, but they are the guys and gals that own Sirius XM, Encore Stars, Discovery Channel, uh, QVC, just a big fat media company. Yeah. And uh, most importantly, um, Court TV. <laughs> oh, okay. They got Court TV. They yeah. got Court TV and wow, they, they got are F1. sitting on that whale. <laughs> I know. So they own F1 now. That's under their corporation. They acquired Formula One in 2016 for $4.4 billion. Right on, Bernie. That is pretty similarly equal to Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm. Wow. So Liberty Media takes over in 2016. In 2017, Bernie Eccleston was still CEO. Okay. Was removed. <laughs> so only one year. Well, he, he transfer, <laughs> transferred into an emeritus executive position with no vote. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Get him out of there. Due to his historical significance. Right. You know, they didn't want to just fully tank the sport's reputation with Bernie immediately, mm-hmm. but... After 12 months, it appeared that it was the best move. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, they just they're decided. Like, yeah, mm. we can do this together. It'll be great. And then they're like, oh, man, this guy sucks. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> Never mind, Bernie. <laughs> yeah. move, a, move aside. Interesting. So this is the thing that's really interesting about what has happened. And this is kind of the tie as to why we care about the transition from Bernie to Liberty Media, those who we know now as the owners of the sport. We're closing in on present day at this point. So Liberty Media wanted, and most importantly to them, was they need to appeal to the U.S. Full stop. Full stop. They knew that that was a very important missing Huge ingredient Huge. to what Formula One had. And it is the most lucrative sports market globally. Is that right? Yes. So F1 global fan base is two to three times larger than the NFL, but the NFL brings in eight times the revenue. Mm. NFL in 2017 brought in $13.6 billion. Formula One in 2017 brought in $1.8 billion, mm. despite being three times larger than the NFL. Wow. So what were the steps from there? Well, we know some of them. Big leaps since Bernie left. Big leaps. Leaps and bounds to bring it up to like a modern media sensation and a sport that we can all enjoy. Right. That should have happened years before that had happened. It should have been decades ahead of it. So Liberty Media made those changes that we talked about, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Mm -hmm. and it just took it by storm. It wasn't a small adjustment. But I remember this happening and it wasn't that long ago. We're talking 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. Five years is all we're talking about. Five years ago, you couldn't watch highlights on YouTube. So crazy. You couldn't find classic you know, recaps. You couldn't find driver personalities. It was a ghost town. So weird. And imagine a platform like YouTube having nothing. Except for like, crappy user uploads of of VHS tapes. Exactly. Things (laughs) that they had from their life as opposed to like a media upload. So something else that's really interesting and just one last little note, prior to Netflix Drive to Survive dropping and changing our world, McLaren kind of stepped into a world of their own and released a show on Amazon Prime called the Grand Prix driver. No kidding. So kind of a proto drive to survive. Exactly. Yeah. And it was cut short due to the fallout in relationship between Honda and McLaren. But it actually makes the show kind of almost that much more juicy to watch because mm. you you see it kind of imploding and coming apart at the seams as you watch each episode. Interesting. So it's super interesting. It was shot in the 2017 season and then released in 2018. Wow, so right before Drive to Survive. Drive to Survive was shot in 2018 and released in 2019. So this was our first taste of a behind-the-scenes TV show, and it was with Zach Brown, Fernando Alonso, and Stuffel Van Dorn, who is a Mercedes driver in Formula E now. Huh. 
I highly recommend it. Really cool, especially if you're looking to hydrate yourself if you want the drink mm-hmm. between Give episodes. Give him the drink. But uh, between race weekends, yeah, this is a great way to do it if you haven't watched it. So really good one, super cool. That's cool. So worth worth watching. Absolutely, I might go. I might go rewatch it. All right, I'll, I'm gonna give it a watch. Let's do it. What were the results? Formula One became the fastest growing digital property in sports. Whoa, Ooh. tons of NFTs. <laughs> it's growing like a weed in that sense. Cool. So. First, one of the first moves was, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, then they moved on to Netflix. So Drive to Survive is a partnership between Liberty Media and the team at Netflix that make the show. Mm. It was an intentional move to introduce the sport to younger people. Smart move. And uh, it was laughed at by the bigger teams. They said, we want nothing to do with this. The first season's like Ferrari and Mercedes is not in that first season. You, you, you want to come in my garage with a, with a camera? I have uh, yeah. I have five fingers on my hand. I have one special one for yeah. you. The pointer finger, I know. Yeah. To point to the door. To the door. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so they didn't participate. <laughs> And then they just saw the change was so insane. Like, oh, this is going to be great for the sport. Right. And we're not losing secrets. Right. And fans are just sprouting up from everywhere. So it's like, oh, we need the fans. Right. So yeah. F1 viewership since Netflix has Like doubled. Lance Stroll's fans. Yeah. He has to thank for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that guy was going to get fans without <laughs> Liberty Media doing yeah, their You think Strolovich was just... Yeah, no. Yeah. No, he was strolling in the That homies. guy was going to die in the vine. Yeah, so <laughs> viewership has doubled. That charm. <laughs> Have you seen him try to drift the Aston Martin? Oh, yeah. And then Sebastian gets in it and just yeah. does it like a boss. He was having a really nerdy day that day. <laughs> it was rough, man. I felt bad for him. I was like... Oh, the conversation beforehand is the rough part. <laughs> it is. It really is. I, 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 uh, I remember I, the I, I, James I like Bond. I, when I grew up watching um, all you know all the movies... the. With the with the James Bond, and now and now I feel like James Bond. <laughs> Thanks, Lance. <laughs> I f- J- so if you needed any proof as to the impact Drive to Survive had on us, Lance Stroll has fans. He has fans, <laughs> and and and, and he has one in this room, by the way. So you watch your dang mouth. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forget. Parker does support. I just, th- I just think he'd be a nice friend. I, I think he's just a kind guy. I have a listener out there named Kevin, and I, he's from Vancouver. I just know he's losing his mind listening to us talk about Lance right now. Wait, did you find <laughs> out he was Canadian before or after you became friends? Um, after. See, that's always the way it happens. <laughs> yeah, Kevin is listening to this right now, losing his mind. Yeah, trying to comment as well, but he can't because he's swearing at his stereo. Shout out to Kevin. Okay. So anyway, yeah, yeah. The viewership has doubled since Netflix. Amazing. So the average no race kidding. viewership has gone from 500,000 people to over a million. They just said that what they're doing two more seasons of Drive to Survive. They have signed a contract. I think everyone's more. just hoping that they're just going to show us just show us the doc. Like what happened? We don't need the drama. Yeah. Everyone is just the added drama. There's the plenty added drama. of drama, man. Yeah. I just do. Show us what's I happening. do believe that is part of what Liberty Media's gripe and what they did want negotiated into the deal was some changes to the show. So I do think we can expect something different from mm. Drive to Survive. What they signed two seasons and now they've signed three more, and part of that deal was cool it on the drama. You know, they didn't give explicit detail as to why they were renegotiating with Netflix, but I will say that the. Liberty Media team was giving a pretty strong you're not guaranteed this spot gotcha. to Netflix mm. overdrive to survive. So go them. Yeah, they said they have to bring value to the sport yeah. and continue to do so. So whatever that translates into, I think a lot of us fans feel that what that translates to is less fake drama, yeah. a lot more just real recap. You just want proof of a story being pulled out of thin air just watch the mazapin episode right like, i love Haas, but you want a story that didn't exist just watch the mazapin episode i don't know how you could <laughs> try to make that look good but he finished 18th with two cars that dnf'd and i mean the so writers he didn't finish last but he did the editors and writers <laughs> of that episode is really rough i mean deserve emmys 
they do for pulling that story out. Of yeah, their it butt. was like the yeah. heartwarming song comes in. They're like, "Great job, Nikita!" At yeah. the end of the episode, and you're just like, "Wait a minute, didn't he finish last?" <laughs> also, how many millions do you think got exchanged to get that episode made? Who's looking oh. at Nikita Mazepin? Why wasn't there an episode of Mick? Or the more anybody else? But like, I mean, but let's talk about like Mick is the son of Michael. Yeah. We're talking an extremely interesting character. Yeah. And we got an episode on Nikita Mazepin. Just wild. (laughs) So So if we get disappeared between this episode and next episode, then you know why. (laughs) Well, so here's the other thing. One thing that I find really interesting, and I did not know this, the average age for sports. Sports what? Like athletes? Viewers? No, no, no. For like viewership. Okay. The average age for viewers. So what do you think is the average age of a baseball, like pro baseball, MLB fan. 40. I feel like baseball's older. I would go with like 30s to 40s. What about the NFL? Same thing. I would say, I'd say 20s. I'd say to go a little bit younger. Basketball, I feel like 13 to 14. Maybe because I was obsessed with the NBA when I was 13, but then I died. All right. Are you ready for these numbers? I'm ready. Baseball is the oldest average. See, you told you. At 57. Okay. That's old. The NFL is 50. Parker, you're getting close. The NHL is 49 and the NBA is 42. I was way off. Wow. The average fan of Formula One has dropped from 36 years old to 32. Wow. Youngest viewership by miles. The youngest, the sexiest. The best celebrities. Best looking, best podcasts. (laughs) But yeah, let's talk about the big paradigm shift between what Liberty achieved versus what Bernie Eccleston was praising. So essentially that is proof in the pudding that this is working. Yeah, totally. And, And I would say that as like a baseball fan, sure, they do social media pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's good highlights. Players have their accounts and so on. There's still that limited access feeling. I don't get like a lot of locker room. I don't get like the juicy part of what makes Netflix you just so want good. Those juicy MLB parts. We just want those juicy bits. He wants those juicy giblets. <laughs> but the biggest, the biggest problem there, I guess, is that the dugout's disgusting and they can't make a Netflix yeah. show about it. <laughs> yeah. It just means that there's more people still coming to Formula One and it's exciting and we have a great podcast for them to dive into and learn more because I'm still kind of new, learning more from Mike every day. And we just want everyone to keep coming into it. Yeah. You know, again, something that we talked about last week, the reason that we wanted to talk about this and one of the reasons that this Twitter feed was kind of posted and that I, I took such notice to it is because of the success of the Miami GP. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the only one that heard that roar when Max passed Charles. Then it just was realized in that moment. Not only has the U.S. Ar- like uh, has Formula One arrived in the U.S., but it's taken it over. Yeah, yeah. And it's so cool to see, but in such a huge contrast to where it was just five years ago, where I couldn't get any more information other than just what the publications in Europe were giving us. You heard the article we read this at the end of the podcast from F1 and it was just empty. Right. I imagine that's all you got. And it depends on who writes it. There are (laughs) some guys at F1 who are great, but you did get that article a lot. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg, Fernando Alonso. But there was no real meat to what Mm. we were talking about, where these guys lived. There was no lifestyle. Yeah. And that's what the sport is. So much to jump into. Yeah. Parker loves like the engineering mechanics of everything, right? You just dive deep into that. I do love like the branding and lifestyle of the drivers and I get sucked into like merch and logos and stuff. Like I think, and then the speed, I just love the speed. Yeah. And Mike, you, I don't know what the hell you like. I love it all, man. But no, I think that like, think about it this way though. We make jokes about Lance Stroll and Roman Grosjean and, and some of these characters, but like, even Roman Grosjean, when he was a rookie, we, you know, you and I have texted photos back mm-hmm. and forth. Of this guy just lion's mane mm-hmm. and these different sunglasses. It's yeah. just like, like no NASCAR driver shows up at the track because, well, first of all, they camp at the track in an RV. <laughs> so, but they don't like show up at the track, this grand entrance and fashionable clothing. No IndyCar driver does yeah. it. N- nothing has 
that Formula One like fighter entering the arena in a silk mm. getup. Yeah. Like F1 does. For those that don't know, at least at some circuits, there's just a, a mass of crowds that watches each of the drivers drive in in their beautiful cars. And yeah. And Sebastian rides in on a bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really fun sport. It's really different. And yeah, we've got a lot of. Bernie to thank for sticking it on TV and showing us that. Such a weird plot twist that he hated social. Yeah. We definitely have him to thank. And that, glad that it's at where it's at right now. Yeah, it could be like cricket. Yeah. Which we're not bashing cricket, but like... There's not a lot of people that die playing cricket. Yeah. So, um, but if you're still, if you are new, <laughs> Haas, Haas is the only American team on the grid. Yep. So root for Haas. Be a Haas boy. And Mick is going to get points soon. Mick's going to get points soon. Out for podiums. I think also just support the sport. Fools. Why are you guys rolling your eyes? Come on. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to make sound bites now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for joining us on this deep dive into Bernie Ecclestone. And this uh, spring, as we move into summer, just think about Bernie. His yeah. sacrifices he made, only taking 50% of the revenue of Formula yeah, One. Yeah. So that we could have it where it is today. Send a prayer up <laughs> for him that might reach him at his golden mansion on a mountain somewhere. Yeah. May he live at least another year. <laughs> I think he has the money. He can live forever now. He's immortal. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going to pull a Walt Disney. Yeah. I, d- I do believe that he has a two year old. Oh, oh my. So he adopted. One last detail. <laughs> Neither of Bernie Eccleston's wives have been shorter than 5'10", and he's 5'3". And, and they're all above 70, right? Because he hates young people. <laughs> I believe that his current wife is in her 40s at 6'2". Money buys wow. inches. That's all I learned in high school. <laughs> I feel lied to.